I wanted to start with that um, just a little bit, kind of for those of you who are visual learners, to, to see kind of a, a broad overview. Uh, you saw in that video the first nine chapters, uh, uh, chapter number eight, which, of, uh, which is the one we're going to be covering today. The first nine chapters of Proverbs, uh, kind of an outline perspective, is kind of set up like a father writing to his son as to why he needs wisdom, okay? And so uh, that's important to know because 10 through I would say 29, 30 and 31 are, are kind of unique in their, their Proverbs, but the rest of the, the, the book is set out with these specific Proverbs, which we know. And um, if you're familiar with Proverbs, it doesn't read um, like a narrative or an epistle. So it's for us a moment to be as probably as topical as you're probably going to get at redemption, uh, meaning we're going we're gonna to take the next six weeks and really hone in on certain topics. I want to give you an overview so you're kind of aware of what we're going to do in the next six weeks and so how you can see it. So today we're going to cover Proverbs 8, and it's really the, the where and why of wisdom. I, I hope to, to really sell you something today so you can see the beauty of wisdom, where it comes from, how we get there, what it is, all that stuff. And then from there is really these topical ideas that we, we're, we're able to extract from Proverbs uh, in, in the he- most, most healthy way we possibly can. So we're going to do self-control in a world of anger, purity in a world of lust, communication in a world of words, love for uh, the poor in a world of plenty, and then contentment in a world of consumption. Now, what's interesting about this is we're titling this series uh, uh, in dizzying times, wisdom in dizzying times. And the reason uh, that's important to hear is because we recognize, listen, no matter what the voice is, let's just all acknowledge something. There's a lot of voices. I mean, there's everybody. I mean, and some of the voices are melded together, right? Like you, you, you may, might not like uh, a, a Trump supporter, right? But then yet he is like a friend that that uh, says something or agrees with something that you do like, or maybe you, you uh, love Trump and then yet you're struggling with certain things, or, or maybe it has nothing to do with politics. Maybe you have a friend who has a certain view on uh, homosexuality or money and parenting, and then these views are all skewed and there's philosophies and ideas all mixed, mashed all together. What we want to do is really hone in on uh, the major parts of Proverbs, but Proverbs covers far more than just these areas. I would say well into the dozens, at least 50 or 60 different topics. And I would say applies to every sphere of life that you can possibly imagine, which we'll get into in a second. So that's kind of the overview of what we're going to be doing. I'll pre- preach most of it. John's going to come in and preach one of them as well. So I'm super excited. Now, here's where we've got to start with this whole deal. Um, as we finish Proverbs, we're going to go into Advent. And then from there, we're going to spend uh, most of 2018 in the book of Ephesians. Now, when thinking about this, I think the question that I, I was really trying to, to wrestle with and how to explain is why spend six weeks on wisdom. Why spend six weeks on chokmah, this, this Sophia? Why spend time on, on this word wisdom? And if you're a Christian, I, think about it. Like you didn't come to Christ because of wisdom or I don't even say your own wisdom. I'm just saying, I, you know what? I was sitting there one day, I learned about wisdom and it brought me to Christ, right? Like if we could spend six weeks on something, why not spend six weeks on the atonement, on the resurrection, on the kingdom of God? Why wisdom? And the best way that I I think I can explain this is the way that that video starts. It's the two words that are really uh, important to launch us into this series, and it's the good life. At At the end of the day, whether you're a believer or not, everybody has this one thing in common. Everybody has this one thing in common. We all want to be happy. Now, I mean that every word I said there is super intentional. Let me defend it. Because even those who are dealing with depression or masochism or or self-hatred, they like being there. Maybe they know it's not what's best. Even consciously, they know it's not what's best for them. But they like being there. For some, it's being on a beach doing nothing. Some are seeking uh, uh, happiness and working 90 hours a week. 
Some are finding it in sex. Some are finding it in alcohol. We're all searching for this happiness, this contentment. And the reason that's important is because the book of Proverbs tells us wisdom promises exactly that. Wisdom, the reason we can spend all the time that we're going to be going through these topics and all the time that we're going to be in these six weeks is because wisdom promises what every single heart longs for. I'm just looking to be satisfied. I'm looking to be content. I'm looking for happiness. Let me prove it to you because there's a couple Proverbs that I think are are worth uh, noting in this. Listen to Proverbs 3.13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Sorry, I had a cold this uh, last week, so give me some grace. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. Happy. So, So let's just correlate it. Let's do one for one equation here. If you find wisdom, you find happiness. And what did we just say? Everyone's looking for this, bro. Everyone. Everyone's looking for this. In crazy different ways, we don't agree on the good life, but everyone's looking for it. L- listen to this in uh, Proverbs 24. My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Imagine when you taste that ice cream, or imagine when you taste uh, baklava. Love me some baklava, Greek food, okay? Imagine when, 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 you, when you take a bite of something that you really enjoy, you go, that's so good. It, it, like, the language we use, listen, it hits the spot, right? You have that sweet tooth that, that hits the spot. And he's saying, my son, when you eat the honey, imagine that the way you enjoy the taste, you know what that's like? Imagine, this is, this is, let me explain something to you. In that same way, know that wisdom is such to your soul. The way that you taste it and you go, oh, yes, that hits the spot, is what wisdom does for your soul. We're not done. Listen to this, Proverbs 19, real pithy and simple, but I think beautifully explained. He who gets wisdom, this is Proverbs 19, 8. He who gets wisdom loves himself. He who gets wisdom loves himself. Like, like if you, if you care about what happens to you, obtain wisdom. Now what, what the book of Proverbs does a lot is it correlates wisdom with age, right? So uh, today, Jim turns one, 106, 107. What is it, Jimbo? No. Okay. He's wise. So I know he won't attack the stage, but, um, Jim would, Jim would beat us all up. Let me tell you, he's got some stories from the military. I'm like, you did what? He's like, I killed three men with one hand. Um, no, um, it's his birthday today, right? And so even at our elder board, we, we look to Jim as we kind of call them the, the wisdom of our board, right? And, um, and here's what's interesting. The way that the Bible correlates gray hair or old age, however you want to uh, you know, explain that or define that, um, is important because here's what's interesting about what old age does is old age provides a perspective of a longevity that you're able to see something that, that a 19, 20, 21 year old can't see. And that is the way things work. Meaning you can be old and not be wise, but usually the, the, the older people who are not wise are the exception to the rule. Right? Because they're choosing to operate in a way that the world doesn't work. So, for example, let me read a proverb to you. In Proverbs 21.5, the last week we're going to talk about money, right? Uh, so listen, Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Now, now, so, so somebody who's, who's been around long enough knows, hey, listen, you're trying to jump on every opportunity to make money. I'm telling you, that's not the way to do it. You want to know the way to do it? Put your head down and just work really hard. Be faithful. Steady plotting. 
and then you'll be prosperous. And, and people with age can see that. And so this is what, the, the reason that's important, uh, important to notice is, is hear what people uh, of age have, that those of us who are, let's say, under 40 or 50 years old, that what, what, what we don't have, is we don't have enough experience to see the way of gr- the grain of life in, the which, in which direction it works. We, we haven't seen enough, right? So I haven't been an empty nester. I haven't had teenagers. I haven't experienced the loss of a spouse, and so, so there's certain times, even at 32, that I'm quick to do something and I'm acting outside of wisdom. So, so wisdom is recognizing the way the world works. Every, any old age person can do that. But wisdom is operating in it. Okay? Now, outside of just trying to defend it or define it, um, I, I want to get into s- some certain things because this begs the question, well, then ultimately, how do we start to get it? What do we do? Even in that video you heard, well, let's get wisdom, right? And you talked about the fear of the Lord. Here's the reason it's important that we start there. Um, w- with wisdom being what it is and us approaching it, uh, there has to be something said about humility. So let's just acknowledge in the room right now um, that if you were to take our collective knowledge for the next six weeks, we do not know nearly a hint a a sniff to as much as God knows. And the reason that's important is if we take a posture of, I don't know, then, then, then what we recognize is then there's room to learn what you don't know. And Proverbs, you read them sometimes and you go, that's just stupid, simple. Duh. What, why, why don't I see that? But when you take a, a position of pride, like, you know, you're not being wise. Luke Simmons at Gateway said it perfectly. He says, I think he, he was explaining how he can see wisdom in someone else. He says, the best way that I can see um, someone if they have wisdom is not how they handle money, not how they handle sex, not how they handle parenting. It, it's what happens to them when they're rebuked or corrected. Like, what do you do when someone tells you you're wrong and you're wrong? Or even what do you do when someone tells you you're wrong and you're not wrong? Are you in a posture, a place to go, okay, I, I need to learn? Because that's wisdom. And hear me, that's what's trying to be unearthed when we're talking about the fear of the Lord. When I asked Corbin the other day, um, um, what, what is the fear of the Lord? He was trying to, trying to wrestle with it, and I tried to do my best because he said some crazy things. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay, and I tried to explain it. He said, I want you to imagine some huge giant that is standing before you, but he loves you and he would never do anything uh, 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 to you. Are you afraid of him? And he said, no. I said, okay, you're not afraid of him, but you know he could do something, right? He said, yes. Uh, could, could he fight your enemies for you? Yes. And I'm trying to unearth this idea of uh, wisdom or, or humility, starting with the fear of the Lord is a recognition of fear that God is more powerful than you. Yes. And that may bring up a certain type of fear, but hear me, there's a different type of fear that we need to unearth as we approach wisdom. As we approach God is more powerful than us. He's also more knowledgeable than us. Meaning there's some of you who are contractors and you know, everything there is to know about your field. You know how to build, you know, you know the framework that needs to go in place, all the electrical, the plumbing, the drywall. There's some of you who are in the medical field and you know exactly how the body should operate. There are some of you who, who know um, all the epistemology of teaching. Like all these different fields that we find ourselves in. Hear me when I say this. God, not only does he know everything there is to know in the field in which you're an expert, 
There's a recognition that you might not know everything there is to know about that field, but he knows everything there is to know about all the fields in which we are all experts. Meaning, if we step back as we approach Ephesians in 2018, we're going to talk about God's sovereignty. And before we can get into God's sovereignty, we have to understand how much he knows. Hear me when I say this. God doesn't just know everything exhaustively. He knows everything that could be in knowing everything exhaustively. So me taking one step backwards changes maybe the way you hear me. And as I walk to the left, but God would have known if I would have taken two steps backward and I would have walked to the right. He knows every possible million times of the outcome and how you process that. And then the billion outcomes that come from those million outcomes. He knows everything that could be and everything that is. And it's that posture that we step back and go, God, I don't know. This is why Proverbs 13 is, or 30 is so huge. Because Proverbs 30, though we're meant to read the proverb um, to learn from it, it's far more, Proverbs 30 and 31 are are unique, and we'll get to 31 in the coming weeks, but Proverbs 30 is unique in that it's meant to show the posture we're supposed to take when we read the Proverbs. He starts with this, I'm a stupid man who doesn't know anything. I'm a stupid man that doesn't know anything. That's not self-hatred, that's not demean. I don't know. I don't know. I thought I was an expert in this. I thought I knew how this operates. I just don't know. And this is the posture we take as we approach wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord that we grab a hold of in that, that God knows everything. And hear me, you don't know there is everything there is to know about politics. So be humble on Facebook. You don't know there is everything there is to know about sex, about parenting. You use what kind of diapers you use, hear me, good Lord, we're going to live if people use disposable diapers. The environment will survive, okay? Some of you get that, but anyway. Um, so, so hear me when I say this, just a posture of humility. I don't know, but, but God knows, God knows, okay? So that's the posture I hope to take. Uh, like I said, let, let's do it. Um, here's, here's what I need you to do. You need to go to Job 28, open your Bibles. And if you have an ESV, we're going to get some Proverbs 8, but I want to read that. It's going to be a little different because I'm going to read out of the NLT uh, when, when we go through this. And, um, and I, my, my goal, like I said, is to set us up um, to desire something that, that you would know at the end of the day, you would long for and want wisdom because it's the way the world works. And then we're going to get at why uh, we, we want it more than just it brings us happiness. But, but there's some, some perks to this. But here's why I want to start with where is it ultimately found? If it starts with the fear of the Lord, what does that mean? And Job 28, I think, says it perfectly. So let me read. We're going to read two old chapters, but we're not going to hone in too much uh, on Job. Um, so let me read this to you. It's out of the NLT. It's going to be a little off if you have the ESV, but this is what it says. People know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the furthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth from which uh, any, anyone lives, uh, where which anyone lives. They uh, descend on ropes swinging back and forth. Food is grown on the earth above, but down below the earth is melted as by fire. Here the rocks contain precious lapaz lazuli, and the dust contains gold. There are treasures no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observe. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has ever set its paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and uh, overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. Let's stop there real quick. Listen to what uh, Job just said. 
Listen, at the end of the day, we know how to get to 14 carats. We know how to make the Rolex. We, we know how to get to the copper. We know how to get to the precious stones, the jasper, the gold, the silver. I mean, we dig mines for coal. We, we, we plant stuff to get even down to oil, liquid. We know how to get down to things that birds will never see, lions never tread on. That the average person will never go down these, these, these mine shafts, but we know how to get there. And hear me, all those things are the most precious things on earth. Quite literally, this is the, it's, it's all those things that the Bible uses to describe the new heaven. Gates of pearl, streets of gold. We know how to get those things. But that begs the question. It's found in verse 12. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean. It is not there, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophrah. Uh, We're going to get through all these. Here we go. Greater than the precious, just let's say it with confidence, uh, uh, onyx and uh, lepaz lazil. I'm going to change it every time I read it. Uh, next time it's never mind. Let's go. Wisdom is more uh, valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and Jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. The worth more than the purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say we've heard only rumors of where wisdom can be found. So we know where to find all those other things. But here's the mystery, man. Even all those people who dig for those deep things and know those things, even the people who explore the skies and the heavens of the heavens of the heavens, who, who, who have pictures of other planets, even people who understand at microscopic levels the way that the body works, for some reason, wisdom can't be found by any of them. The wisest of the people that we consider on this earth, the smartest still are missing this wisdom. They they can't conjure it up. The richest people can't purchase it. There's this biblical wisdom that cannot be found. We don't know where it is. And then, of course, verse 23. God alone. Let's just, let's just, can we just stop there real quick? God alone. God alone. You can't conjure this up, bro. You can't. I know you think that you know the way things are supposed to be. I know you're frustrated when things don't go the way that you're supposed to, or they're supposed to go for you. But hear me, God alone, he alone, God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the wind should blow and how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out a path for the lightning. Then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. You ready? The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. So at the end of the day, a posture of humility is where we start. But a recognition that he knows 
that I follow him. Because if you, any of you have ever dealt in the realms of apologetics, trying to convince someone that, that God is real, you're always going to run into this, this hindrance of the, the lack of knowledge that, that we just, there's certain things that we don't know, right? So there's an area of apologetics where we begin to talk with someone and they go, well, can you prove that God is real? Which always gets into crazy. So you're, you, people are trying to prove it all these different ways. And I begin to have this conversation. I go, well, do you know if there's purple unicorns exist or a blue rock somewhere, right? And they go, well, no, I don't, there's no purple unicorns that exist. And I go, do you know for sure? How do you know that no purple unicorns exist? Because the reality is you don't know everything. Now, if you knew everything, I can look to you and go, yes, you're right. Purple unicorns don't exist. But the reality is we don't know everything. So purple unicorns could exist. Now they don't, but just track with me. Okay. Now, now here's, here's my point. What's beautiful about Christianity as we rely on the Bible and we start with the fear of the Lord is we're not starting with the posture of, well, I know everything, therefore purple unicorns don't exist. Hear me. We're relying on someone who knows everything and therefore can make definitive statements. Do you understand? We're not making definitive statements. I'm not saying in this moment, if you just do this, then this, because I'm telling you, I've I've experienced it. No, God is saying, I've wired the world to be this way. Follow me, trust me, and if you do, you'll see I've wired the world this way and you'll prosper. That's why we go to him. So we can't end around God. We've got to go to God and then he'll lead us to wisdom, okay? And that leads us up to Proverbs 8. So you can turn there, Proverbs 8. If you had your finger there already, uh, flip over. Let's get at it. Uh, I'm going to start. My my goal here is to stir up affections for this desire of wisdom and really for you to see the... uh, the Jesus that is so apparent in Proverbs 8, um, and, and it requires a lot of explaining, but I hope, hope to do this well, okay? So here it is. Wisdom is going to take on a personification, if you don't know that word. It's just uh, the idea that you could take a theme or an idea or an inanimate object, a speaker, and make it a person, make it act like a person, right? And so uh, this personification of wisdom, as you saw in the, the video there, is of this woman, Okay, this, this woman, and, and maybe you even know this type of woman, right? She's an older woman, and she's just like spouting, dropping bombs all the time. And you're like, okay, it's, it's this type of, of, of wisdom uh, that this personification is, is portrayed as a woman, a woman. And there's too many jokes when people say wisdom is a woman. Look, um, so I'm not going to say them. You just get the hilarity of the fact that men don't know everything. And you get it. I know. Thank you for the pity laugh. I just, I apologize even going there. Okay, um, verse one, this is what it says. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding, you ready for the pronoun? Raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town and at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud to you, O man, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips I will come what, it, uh, will come what is right. For, uh, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Let's just start. Uh, Proverbs 8, let's stop there and just acknowledge something. Um, If someone is not operating in wisdom, hear me, it's their fault. Because what we were just told, this personification of wisdom is, this is important for you to hear, she wants to be with you. Wisdom wants you. 
Wisdom's waiting. Like as, like, like as you, you come into the house, wisdom's waiting. Hey, hey, talk with me. Spend time with me. I, I can make your path straight. Wisdom is never going, well, I guess. Wisdom's waiting for you to call to her. This is important because uh, a lot of the other congregations, they started with Proverbs 9. And the way that Proverbs 9 syncs up is 18 verses. The first six verses are basically going, hey, dummy, act like this. Honestly, it's act like this. The last six verses are going, hey, dummy, don't act like that. Don't act like that. And the six verses in between are the importance of wisdom. And this is what wisdom's doing. It's calling you, saying, buddy, you know what you should do. Look, look, I'm showing you this is the right way. You want to get rich real quick, and I'm telling you that's not the right thing to do. And it's crazy because um, it's not just the old age, but that's just the way that it is. Wisdom is, is reminding you of the way that it is. My buddy Eric gave me a book about two years ago, and it was on lottery winners. And it was just story after story of people who have lost the, or who have won the lottery and what happened to their life. And every single story, up to 90% of these people within five years have either killed themselves, been killed, or back uh, broke. Every time. It's crazy. And so, so you read these stories, and it's super depressing, so I, I probably don't read it. But you read these stories, and you go, see, you thought that was right. You thought that was the correct way. But wisdom says, cool, man, that's great, that's great. But let me tell you what brings you happiness. Put your head down, slow and steady plotting. Work hard. Work hard. Now, um, we're going to talk about the exceptions in a moment, but let me read this passage, and we're going to get into some of these exceptions because it's, it gets a little goofy when we experience real life because we know people who have thrived and haven't followed wisdom, don't we? Well, we know people who've got all kinds of stuff. I mean, being a pastor in Scottsdale, I watched a lot of rampant wickedness and people, um, when I was a pastor there for eight years, you know, we're in Pima and Dynamite and um, there's just a lot of wickedness that people um, who are super wealthy had, and they did it really unjust ways. And you kind of sit back and go, God, why are you allowing this to happen? But we'll, let's, let's read this next part, and then we'll get into some of that. This is what it says. If wisdom is calling you, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rules, a ruler's decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring, the, enduring wealth uh, and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the path of justice. I, uh, uh, I'm sorry, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasure. So let's just stop real quick because um, we can read this part. What I'm about to explain could sound super close to sound like Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, whatever, the prosperity gospel. But hear me when I say this. Let me tell you something that wisdom just uh, put in front of you. If you follow wisdom, listen to this. Riches and honor are with her. Do you hear that? Now let's, t- let's talk about the exception, right? Because we know people who have been super humble, meager. They've, um, they've approached other people with a spirit of gentleness. It seems like you walk at them and like if there's a, a, a version, a live version of wisdom, you're going, that's, that's them, that's him, that's her. And yet for some reason, when, when we read this, Riches aren't with them. Maybe honor is. Wealth isn't with them. Maybe righteousness. 
Now, now this becomes super confusing because we also know other people, like I said, that um, aren't following the way. So, so there's exceptions to this, right? Because some of us have uh, built our promise on if we raise our child in the ways of the Lord, when he's older, he won't, will not depart from it. Yet we know all kinds of kids who are raised in the ways of the Lord and they departed from it. Like, what, what do we do with those exceptions? Well, first of all, recognize this is what Ecclesiastes and Job is for. Um, but, but, but understand this. Um, the majority of the rule, if you're playing cards or whatever, if you're gambling, the percentage of people who live out wisdom will find it. This will be true of them. But there are exceptions. Now, those exceptions are goofy. Because the reality is, you go, well, man, I'm a risk taker. So you're telling me there's a chance. If, if, I, if I can get rich quick... Maybe I should go for it because there's a chance to do it. Well, Proverbs is going to get at this as we go on through the weeks because here's how Proverbs describes those exceptions. It's like rotting wood within us. Meaning that there are exceptions, but those exceptions are only in existence because of Genesis 3. That sinful people do prosper. Things for moments don't work out the way that they're supposed to, but that's because of sin. And just because that's true and that happens now, hear me, this is key, doesn't mean it's right. Because therefore, if you do do it that way anyway, Proverbs describes what's going to happen within you. You're going to be like wood rotting within you. You made it. You got rich quick. You did it. No, no, all the while, it's eating you up inside. You, you still haven't obtained wisdom. You haven't obtained happiness because you, you've done it outside of the confines in the which the grain of life works. And so those exceptions, though those exceptions are true, that doesn't mean, mean they're right. As a matter of fact, they will be righted because of wisdom. And so when we do follow and play out what wisdom is, I want you to understand, here's the second part of this. Um, the way that we view certain things also change. So when you read wealth, hear me, this is crazy. And I'm not just trying to like, defend the Bible here. But when we read about wealth, if, if you were to read, um, let's take in second Corinthians, there's a passage on money there. And it's talking about this church that needs to be, needs to send money to this other church. And it says they're going to prosper in, you ready for this? Righteousness. If you give, it will be given back to you in righteousness. Now the wise person or the person who follows Christ goes, well, that's what I want. I don't want your money. I want to live wisely. If you're wise, you, this, I hope that my heart resonates with you right now. If you're wise and you're trying to live the good life, you know it's not money. And so wealth means something completely different. Matter of fact, Proverbs 30 says, I'm not desiring to be rich. I don't want to be poor. I'm just looking to serve the Lord where I'm at with what I have. Contentment. This is why wisdom is important. So wisdom sets this path. It begins with the, the, the Lord. And there are these exceptions that are only in existence because um, of sin. Only, only in existence because of sin. But that doesn't make them right. So let's keep going. Verse 22. And this is where we get into a lot of the personification and then begin to wind down. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up uh, at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made from the skies above 
Uh, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I, made, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. It's really hard to read this section of scripture and, and not hear, um, if you're familiar with your New Testament at all, echoes of Jesus. Meaning, um, wisdom's described to be standing by the side of God and going, here, no, 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 there, ocean, stop right there. And sky's perfect. And he's looking, the earth is, no matter what the flat earthers say, round. Okay? Okay? So, so, so he's, he's setting, he, he, or she in this moment is standing beside God and going, this works. This works. The, the, the reason you take a, a 90 degree and put it up a 90 degree to make the, 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 the headboard the way you do is because God made it to be that way. That works. Wisdom said, let this be what it is. Mathematics. It works. Wisdom said this, this works in this way. That was, that was wisdom. Now it's hard not to hear Jesus as we read this because let's talk orthodoxy for a second or proper theology. Proper theology says that as God the Father spoke all things into existence according to John 1, that here is uh, Genesis 1 and then John 1, as, as God the Father is speaking all things into existence, we're told according to John 1, Jesus is that word. So God is saying trees land, cows, and it's the word of the Lord that is the Lagos, that is Jesus. It's through Jesus that God the Father makes all things. That's proper theology. Now, when we read this, listen to a couple observations just to prove it to you. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says this, and I want you to hear this simultaneously reading it with Proverbs 8, how similar it is, okay? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions and rulers and authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That sounds like what wisdom was just saying. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Listen to John 1.4. Through him, uh, Josh actually read this, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. The word gave life to everything that was created. That sounds like wisdom. You can read uh, Romans 11.36, Ephesians 1. This, this sounds super similar. Now hear me. This is both really, really good and really, really bad. Okay? Now, now I need you to put your theologi- theological thinking caps on because we're about to get a little goofy. And I don't think I did a good job of explaining this in first service, so I hope I do a better job here. Okay? Um, Proverbs 8 is a personification of wisdom. And, and this is bad because it sounds a lot like Jesus and certain cults like Jehovah, the Jehovah's Witness cults, um, use this as a proof text to show that Jesus was, look at verse 22, the Lord possessed me. Some of your translations literally says, born me or gave birth to me or brought me forth. As a proof text to say, see, God existed and then brought Jesus into the world to make all of these things. And that is what we call heresy, okay? Now, that's not, that, that's the bad part of it sounding similar. But here's the good part of sounding it similar, uh, the reason it sounds similar, is because wisdom sounds just like Jesus here 
Because according to 1 Corinthians one twenty four, this is huge. If you are a Christian, hear this. This is the consummation of the New Testament. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. So let, let me, here we go. Here's the explanation. This is the best way I can explain it, okay? Proverbs 8 is a personification, this woman that represents wisdom, okay? But Proverbs 8 is talking about wisdom. It's not talking about Jesus. Do you understand? It's not talking about Jesus. So don't go to your like, look, Jesus is in the Old Testament. That's not Jesus. Proverbs 8 is not Jesus. But Proverbs 8, in Proverbs 8, Jesus fulfills what Proverbs 8 is talking about. And the best example I can give is right now, um, my wife is reading To Kill a Mockingbird to our kids, right? They don't understand half of what's going on, but it's a great book. If you don't know the story, it's the story of a, a black man who's uh, unjustly accused of, of uh, raping this white woman. It's during the time of the Jim Crow era, and there's this uh, lawyer, Atticus Finch, who steps up and, and, and um, sticks up for this man. It's a really great story. But here's what we know about uh, the, the, this whole story, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, is it's not real. It's a fictional story. There was no Boo Radley. There was no Atticus Finch. But hear me. What happened was very real. I mean, just pick up a textbook and you will find story after story after story after story of black men being unjustly accused. Maybe their name isn't Tom. A lawyer stepping in to defend them, them ultimately losing. This black man, end up, he ends up being shot at the, in the end. And it's all bad. And guess what? He didn't do it. And though... To Kill a Mockingbird is a poetic story, and we go, yes, that's so good. It's not true. That's, but To Kill a Mockingbird is a fake story, but it's meant to point us to a real reality, which is the fact that those things really happened. Proverbs 8 is beautiful. We're meant to go, wisdom. Man, wisdom is calling, but wisdom is not a person. Wisdom is an attribute of God, but let me tell you who consummates it. Let me tell you who, person, who truly pro, pro, personifies uh, uh, it beyond just a woman in Proverbs 8. It's Jesus. The reason it sounds like Jesus is because Jesus is the wisdom of God. I didn't do this in first service, but let me, let me read this to you guys because there's a beauty in this that I think is worth acknowledging. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it just keeps going lower and lower. Um, okay? Okay? Um, so, so... Listen to this. This is how that, that verse, uh, the, um, that, that whole deal is set up in, in, um, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, so let me, start, uh, let me start in verse 18, okay? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Oh, I'm over time. Uh, where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ, uh, Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Do you hear that? So to the Greeks, they have ideas of the way the world is supposed to work. And to the Jews, they have ideas. But Christ is. We look to Christ in how we operate in contentment. We look to Christ in, in how we operate in giving our life away so that we would find life. Jesus is a perfect example of that Christianity hasn't given up on the universal striving for happiness. We're living into it. We're the fulfillment of it. 
True humanity is found in Jesus Christ. We're living out at how we're supposed to live. That's wisdom, and it's found in Jesus. If it's found in God, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the found wisdom. Listen, there's no getting there without Jesus, but people may operate in ways that, they, that, that are ways of wisdom. But, but hear me, this is the, the last thing I'll say. A non-believer can do anything a believer can do. Anything. They can quit smoking. They can stop pornography. They can be good humanitarians. They can do it all. Anything a believer can do except the one thing they were created to do, and that's give glory to God while they do it. While they do those things, they, can't, they don't give glory to God. And hear me, that's what Jesus became a stumbling block to the rest of the world. Yeah, I get your wisdom, but Jesus is the wisdom of God, which makes us want to pursue him all the more, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thanks for this uh, text. And uh, I know I'm, I'm grateful even just reading Job 28. Uh, standing here recognizing there's certain things I feel like I know how to do. Um, and I could rely on my own ideas and my own ways. But I, I can't make myself find wisdom. <laughs> it's got to start with you. And I, I pray as a congregation, we would, we would stay there. We would recognize that you and you alone give wisdom. So that makes us want to press into you. You know all things. So Jesus, help us. Help us as we learn what it means to be wise in contentment and how to use our words in sexuality, in money, as we try to figure out what friendship looks like with wisdom, relationship looks like in wisdom, the way we work, the way we raise our children, the way we treat our spouse, the way that we neighbor, the way that we continue to engage with the lost. We need wisdom. We don't know. We, we don't know. So help us. Jesus, we seek you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.